Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on KTNPress.com. I'm Danny Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC on the road this weekend for UFC Austin. Headline by Armin Sakurian versus Benil Dariush. We'll be breaking down that fight as well as some of our favorite fights on this main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay to make your wallet fat. Plus, in addition to that, we're giving you the interviews you know and love. Kicking off the show this week, Steve Garcia joins us before his fight in Austin. And a little bit later on in the show, we will be talking to Arian Young, who is getting ready for his main event spot at LFA. But before we get to any of that great content, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, it's really drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Certainly couldn't hurt, because Game Up is not a hard seltzer. Hard seltzers just don't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own, and it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape. Plus, it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, 1 gram of carbs, it's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA mullers, urban fitness freaks, peak bagging badasses, tough mutter mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, and even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. As for Game Up, wherever you should buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Steve Garcia, who fights Mel Kazal Costa at UFC Austin on December 2nd. So, Steve, before we begin talking about that fight, I want to talk about what's sort of kept you out of the cage for a while. Because it's been, you know, eight months since we've seen you. You had that August fight set up with Sean Woodson that I know you had an injury kept you out of. What's this time away been like for you? You know, how, how much have you been training? How much did that injury hinder you? Like, what, what does it look like? Yeah, man, I was definitely looking forward to getting right back in the cage, uh, especially after my fight in uh, Miami. And, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, took a couple weeks off and then, like, I got uh, matched up again with Sean Woodson. Um, I was super excited for that fight. And three weeks prior to that, I sustained, like, a pretty bad back injury. And that's kind of what, like, deterred me from competing. Um, long story short, you know, I, I, I hurt my back on like on a Tuesday night, which is our grappling nights. And I, instead of listening to my body, uh, I woke up in the morning and, um, I did a wrestling class, uh, and our wrestling classes are pretty intense. And, uh, I just put the nail in the coffin in the wrestling, um, class and I was in pretty bad shape. Uh, I tried to see what I could do to, to finish, you know, just, just do anything really just to be able to, uh, compete. So I took a flight out to Vegas and see if they could work on me. Um, I was there for a couple of days and they pretty much advised me. Um, they didn't tell me whether to take a fight or not. They just advised me like the risks and, and, you know, what I would be able to do, my limitations and all that stuff. And, uh, definitely was not, not going to benefit me to, to take that fight, you know, especially like having, having the talk that I did with them. And, 
Um, you know, that's why I go out there with them and, and, and just make sure that, you know, I get seen by the best guys and they, you know, they told me what was going on and, uh, we had to make, make a decision and unfortunately I wasn't able to compete, but I'm, I'm excited for this upcoming bout. You know, it's been, it's been long enough and I feel like everybody's, you know, anxious to see me in there again. I'm anxious to get back in there and I'm excited. We are anxious to get you back in there. And I know you said right there at the beginning that, you, you know, you sort of didn't listen to your body. You didn't rest and stuff like that. Obviously, when you make that decision, you got to pull out that that's sort of you t- listening to your body. Finally, how, how long were you out of the gym? Was it, you know, kind of I just can't compete at this time and I can still, you know, train and do this or that? Or was this uh, I have to sit on the shelf for a little bit and just let this thing get better? Dude, I did absolutely nothing for about a month. Like it was it was annoying and uh it sucked to, you know, watch the guy that replaced me to fight Sean Woodson and you know, um, you know, I have my thoughts on those, you know, on that fight for in particular, but I just man, it just it was it was a bummer because like I said, I couldn't do a whole lot. Uh so I was able to finally start to like hit pads, you know, strike a little bit, but when I started to go back to grappling, I definitely could feel like the the injury and just obviously all the muscles that were you know involved in it and uh it took a little bit to probably about like a week and a half almost two weeks to really really even just like feel comfortable grappling um but before you know it you know what i mean you just you get immersed in it and uh i have a great uh physical therapist and you know chiropractor uh his name's uh bradley maestas and man he just really just like took the time uh, to, to really work on, on the things that I needed to, to get back into it. So, uh, blessed to have that again. Yeah, man, we're, we're, we're to and, and so you, you kind of mentioned it in there because that's the question of the frustration of, of not being in there. Because if you look, you know, since you joined the UFC, you know, with the exception of the whole, you know, 2020 layoff and, you know, everybody had a tough time keeping fights and getting them going then, you know, after that fact, you know, and you rattled off three, four fights and like just barely over a year's time, you, you're a guy who likes to stay active. How, how tough is it for you not to be able to fight? I mean, it's, it's tough in many ways, but uh, especially financially, you know, this is how we make our money. Uh, luckily, you know, I'm blessed to, like, have a good job uh, outside of this, which allowed me to kind of, like, dab- I'm, like, an accounting assistant um, for a nonprofit organization, and, you know, I'm blessed to have them, a, a complete rejuvenation, and um, uh, nonviolence works. You know, they really work with, like, a... Um, like, like, not necessarily troubled kids, but kids that, that, that struggle in society and at school and different things like that, and they figure out ways to, um, you know, help these kids. So I'm, I'm happy to be, you know, kind of like involved in it at the same time. So uh, it's definitely frustrating, but I'm blessed to kind of have like, you know, people like that in my corner that are willing to help me out, and you know, I get to still, you know, have have a job and uh, still work and all that stuff. You know, obviously the goal is to be able to fully, completely rely on fighting, but you know, I'm not quite there. You know, I'm on my second contract in my in my uh, in the UFC, and you know, we're working to to just keep racking up these wins. And you know, the more you win, the more money you make, and the more uh, success you'll you'll have, the more that they'll continue to see you. A lot of a lot of um, good follows winning, yeah. right? <laughs> so uh, we just got to go out there and you know just put on performances. And I I don't really feel like I win when I when I don't finish. So that's why you see majority of my wins are finishes and really, really tough guys. We're fighting the best guys in the world here in the UFC. And, um, as I, as I climb up the ranks, man, it's, it's been tougher and tougher, but, 
uh, I give it my all, and I hope everybody enjoys what they For see. For sure. And I want to talk about climbing up those rankings. But before I do, I- I'm not sure I've heard the story of the fact that you are also an accountant. And I, I got to, you know, I ask all these fighters who, who have other jobs because, you know, they're, they're a teacher. They're, you know, all kinds of people, all kinds of walks of life. You walk in, you're doing accounting work. How often does the person there know that you also punch people in the face for a living? Because for me, that's a wild switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, definitely not the, the the route that I ever thought about, you know, I would ever go in. But uh, this goes way back to maybe like when I was like 21, 22, something like that. And uh, the there was um, a company, uh, an insurance company that I used to work for. And they were actually part owners in the in the gym, and they really like took you know you know t- took to me kind of, and like we kind of had a relationship you know before we even got into it, and um they were in need of help, you know what i mean and i I didn't come on as an accountant, I didn't even have a background in accounting, man, like it was just um uh they hired me on as a co caller and I just started co calling but they they liked my work ethic, and they really worked around like my training schedule. Um, which was cool. And they just, you know, they just like, you know, what, let's just, you know, let's give you a different job and see how you excel there. And uh, I was excelling there. And then they moved me up to where they were actually trying to um, hire a bunch of accountants and they kept falling through and they didn't want to stay around. And so my boss, boss, he really told me, he's like, man, he says, you know, the insurance part of it, he says, what if I taught you how to do the accounting part of it? And it's like I said, it's more just assistant stuff. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I, I can't do taxes, but you know, I can do payroll. I can do bank regs. I can do stuff like that. And, uh, you know, he taught me it and it was, it was a, it was kind of a blessing because at the end of the day, like I, I was with them, I think for nine or 10 years. And then I try to just fight solely for as much as I could. But like I said, when you have an injury or a layoff or during the pandemic or something like that happens, um, you got to you got to figure out how to make money if you can't you know do it in fighting. So um, I was able to kind of fall back on that a little bit in a different company, and you know they they were super understanding with my schedule. They said I can make my schedule, and I got to do the same kind of thing with with them. So uh, yeah, man, I'm just I'm blessed. I feel like kind of <laughs> like God's had my back for sure when it came to that, and I just you know it is it is what it is, man. So I'm not like this you know person that went to school got a college degree in accounting that's not me i just work really hard and you know i'm actually pretty decent with numbers the only thing i did good in school that's awesome to hear it's nice to see that it came from mma as well now you, you mentioned climbing up the rankings and a win right here puts you four and one in your last five fights so you know obviously we're not overlooking Naki Kasa at this point but have you started to think about scouting the bottom of the top 15? Are you the kind of guy who's looking to that kind of thing ahead of time? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm always looking at the top. I mean, like, that's where I belong. Uh, that's what I feel at least. And, you know, I, I got to prove it. So that's, that's one cool thing about what I get to do is, you know, I get to go out there and actually, you know, put my, my money where my mouth is and uh, do it. But, yeah, man, I definitely do. I feel like I'm, like, right there on edge, top 20 for sure. Um, you know, I'd love, I'd love to eventually, you know, hopefully by the end of 2024, you know, hopefully start, you know, fighting some of these guys in the top 24, but I, in the top, uh, top 15, I'm sorry. And, um, but I also want to be like 
leveled out financially, you know what I mean? So like, I don't want to be, uh, taking like high risk fights without, you know, really necessarily having equal pay. You know what I mean? Um, it just, it, it sucks when, when you hear, like I heard, uh, and it worked out for him perfectly. It did. It would, and, and I give him like, it's, it's uh risk versus reward. But when Kevin Holland fought Dr. A. Souza, I think he fought him like 16 and 16. You know what I mean? Like you're fighting the legend of the sport. And you're fighting a guy like Dr. A making, you know, the potential the most at like $32,000. You know what I mean? Um, and that's not including all the fees and all the management and all that stuff that comes out, you know, plus taxes of your, of your check. So I don't know. You just, I, for me, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I do accounting. I have good people around me and, you know, I want to be a little bit smarter with my career than I, than just taking random fights and hoping to, that I win. It's, it's not about whether winning or losing. It's about, making sure that like the the money looks looks good enough for the for the uh the part if that makes sense that makes perfect sense and, and the first step towards you know sort of making it that way getting to those big money fights is melky costa so when they asked you about him when they offered you him as an opponent what were sort of your first thoughts on his style and what he brings to the fight uh the first thing that i definitely uh saw was when well, he's a southpaw he likes to strike um, I feel like he's good at a lot of things. I don't know if he's really great at anything, but he's pretty he's pretty good at a lot of stuff. Um, I don't I, I don't want to say like he's new or he's fresh, but I feel like there's there's just things about him that like I just don't necessarily know if he's been able to or that that, that he's experienced in in the, in the octagon yet. You know what I mean? And um, uh, let's just see like how, how he handled adversity. Cause I feel like he's going to feel a lot of that in this fight. You know what I mean? And, um, that's, it's really going to be a, a, a tell to see if he, if he has that dog or not. And, you know, I, I, you know, I've, I've proven, you know, over and over again, you know, you put me, you know, my back, I know how to get back up, but you know, him with the big shot, as long as I'm breathing, I'm always, I'm always in the fight. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't have that. I just don't think I've seen it. You know what I mean? So let's, Let's just see what happens, you know. I I I think the guy's very good, and I think he's skilled, but um, I think I have a little bit more veteran experience over him, Sky. All right. Well, that leads me perfect to my final question, which is always the one I love to ask fighters at the end. Give me a prediction. How's this one end in Austin on December second? Yeah, I think you're always going to hear me uh, with a prediction of a finish. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't I don't see nothing else you know, other than that, you know, when I visualize everything and stuff. So, I, would, you know, I'd definitely like to get him out of him the first if I could, but um, kid is very tough. Kid is very durable. I don't even know if he's been finished with a knockout or anything like that. Um, so, you know what, dude, if, 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 if it, I, I count on me, so I think I can get him out of there in the second round to TKO finish. All right. Well, you're here to hear first, folks. This has been Steve Garcia, who fights Melky Zalcosta at UFC Austin on December 2nd. Steve, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Steve Garcia. Once again, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we have a stellar card, the UFC, outside of the Apex again this weekend for UFC Austin. It's loaded top to bottom with tons of talent. I say we get right into it. What do you say? I say let's get right into it. But why don't you tell us who sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? 
Absolutely fun sucks and parlays brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready to drink sports drink or uh, ready to drink beverage with sports drink flavor and adult drink fun. But make no mistake, it is not a sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. And it comes in all your favorite flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape. And it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs. It's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Ask for Game Up wherever you should buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. All right, fun main event. Benil Darush is a plus 235 dog. He's coming off a loss. To Charles Oliveira, uh, it was his most high-profile fight, and unfortunately, he came much short. So you think the UFC might cut him some favors? No. They're going to hand him Armin Sekirian, uh, who's on an eight-fight win streak since losing to Islam Makachev in his UFC debut. Tough fighter to debut against, but it was a fight of the night at the time, and he's reeled off eight wins in a row, and he finds himself now a minus-290 favorite to Darush, who is at one time right in the thick of things for a title shot. Who you got here? Uh, you know, as much as I like the fact that uh, Dariush is coming in as such like a big underdog and stuff like that, I still just can't find myself pulling the trigger on him. I like Armin Saruki in here. I, I think, you know, the the fact that he looks so good on the feet lately, uh, you know, the whole Joaquin Silva fight sticks out, the Joel Alvarez fight sticks out. Like, he's just looked really good on his feet. And I think at the end of the day, he has the wrestling to stop this fight from going to the ground, right? Because Benil Dariush's great trait, obviously, is jujitsu. If he doesn't get a chance to use that, I don't think he's going to outbox Sarukian. Like, he had trouble outboxing Drakkar Klosa in their fight. Almost got knocked out in that fight. And I think Sarukian's eight times the boxer that uh, that Drakkar Klosa is. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Sarukian here, even with the big price tag. Yeah, no complaints from me. Uh, Jalen Turner is a minus 240 favorite to Bobby Green, a plus 190 dog. Um, what's interesting about Turner, he's 6-4 and four in the UFC uh, you know, he debuted on Dana White's Contender Series with a win. I think he had a little win behind his sails, uh, some hype, I guess you could say, in him as a prospect. But now he's on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, but he's got a good matchup here to try to get back to his winning ways. Of course, Bobby Green, the veteran, has been in a million fights in the UFC. And he's on a two-fight win streak, believe it or not. He's coming off a huge KO win over Grant Dawson. Who you got here? I'm going to go with Jalen Turner. I, I obviously have some reservations about the fact that, first of all, he missed weight last time out. Now he's taking a fight on short notice. You know, some huge red flags there and maybe a reason not to get behind him at negative 240. But at the same time, I think he does a lot of things that are a nightmare for Bobby Green. Bobby Green is a guy who likes to put pace and volume on people, get in their face. You know, Jalen Turner is a massive individual. You get in his face. He, he has the ability to hit you hard from in close. And he has the ability to take people down. I think people sleep on how good this dude's grappling is. You know, he tagged and bagged uh, uh, Brad Riddell, which is not easy to do. You know, he knocked out Jamie Malarkey, who's a tough guy. You know, knocked out Kolobau, which seems like is, is damn near impossible. He's a guy with really good submission skills and really big hands. So I think the, the you know, like the, the recipe to beat him in Matthews Gamrot's case was wrestle him up, you know, be the better wrestler. I don't think that's the case here for Bobby Green. So I think Jalen Turner tags him somewhere here. Uh, Rob Font is a minus 135 favorite because he's fighting Devison Figueredo as a plus 115 dog. Figgy is coming up to 135 pounds. Figgy lost to Brandon Moreno. It was, I believe, let me just check my notes here. Yeah, it was their 17th time fighting each other <laughs> in a row. And he lost, and now he's decided, hey, I'm just going to come up to 135 because I can't beat Moreno down there at 125. 
Font, strangely enough, uh, coming off a loss to Corey Sanhagen, that's not strange, but what is strange is after a four-fight win streak, he's run into a bit of trouble here in his last four fights. He's one in three in his last four. That's after the four-fight win streak, but he is a favorite here. Who you got? So I'm going to go with Davidson Figueredo. Uh, I, somebody was pointing out, are we really going to trust Davidson Figueredo at 35 years old moving up a weight class? And you know what I found out? I actually found out Davison Figueredo is the younger fighter in this fight. I, I think Rob Font's age just sneaks up on me all the time. That dude's 36 years old, and at Bantamweight, not a lot of 36-year-olds hanging on real well. And the fact of the matter is, is one of the things that Rob Font does so well is be the faster, quicker boxer. And my problem with that is now he's going to be fighting a flyweight who is incredibly fast and incredibly strong for flyweight. Now he's not going to be emaciating himself to get down to 25. He's going to be going up and fighting bigger guys who are technically usually a little slower. I think he might actually have the speed advantage over Rob Font here. So as much as I love Rob Font, the hometown guy, I am going to go with Davidson Figueroa here. I think there's a question mark, obviously, around him at 35, uh, but one that I think I can trust. Our underdog of the week is Misha Tate, a plus 130, a plus 130 over Julia Avila. Yeah, I first of all can't believe that Misha Tate's an underdog here. Uh, Julia Avila, while she's shown some like real promise at bantamweight, she's also been gone for two years, uh, and it's really hard for me to trust anybody who's been gone for two years. You add in the fact that she had some real trouble with Sajara Eubanks' wrestling back when they fought. I, I can't trust her against somebody who's like a high-level grappler like Misha Tate. And Misha Tate might not be the Misha Tate that choked out Holly Holm, but she's still a Misha Tate who scores takedowns, right? Like, that's still her MO. I think she gets enough takedowns here on Julia Avila to grind out a decision win and get us plus 130. Uh, our parlay to play is Jamie Lynn Horth of minus 135 and Drakkar Close of minus 130. Pair them together, get you plus 208, so two to one odds. Break that down. Yeah, so Jamie Lynn Horth, I can't believe she's only this big of a favorite. She's fighting Veronica Hardy, who has one fight in like the last three years. And yes, she won, but she fought a relative rookie in Juliana Miller, who was only three and one at the time and is now three and two in her professional career. Really not UFC level talent. And not that she didn't look good in that fight, but she didn't completely, uh, you know, dominate. She, she won every single round, but she wasn't putting her away. I think people are putting too much stock in that win for Veronica Hardy and not enough stock in the win of Jamie Lynn Horth who kind of manhandled Haley Cowan up at Bantamweight. Now she's in her natural weight class. I think she's going to have a huge strength advantage. Drakkar Closa is a dude who I think just people sleep on over and over and over again. You know, we I mentioned the fight. He was this close to beating Benil Dariush, right? Like he was in Benil Dariush's face. He was damn near knocking him out and he caught an unlucky punch. If that fight goes the other way, we are talking about a guy on a six-fight winning streak uh, with, you know, that, that blip to... Benil Darius slips the other way and he's beaten the headliner of this weekend, Bobby Green. So yes, I think he can handle Joe Selecki and Joe Selecki's grappling game being that he handled Darius's. And I think he's being wildly underrated here. So let's put those two together and get two to one odds. Boom. That wraps it up for fights, dogs and parlays. Let us know how we did at top turtle MMA on the social media. Gumby, we are having a party here. Let's not let it stop. Where are we going next? We're going to transition now to my interview with Arian Young, who is looking to punch his ticket into the UFC with a LFA main event spot this upcoming weekend. We're talking to him about that fight and his uh, upbringings in the world of MMA. We're going to get to all that great content for you right now. All right, joining me today is Arian Young, who fights Nate Richardson at Fury FC 84. That fight is on December 3rd. So, Arian, I wanted to start here. You know, like a lot of people will see a 26-year-old in a main event of a card like Fury, you know, eight pro fights, and they'll think, oh, you know, this is kind of the young gun. 
But like when you look at your record and you look at the amateur career and the fact that you've been doing this for, I mean, you've been doing this for almost a decade at this point. How, how do you get started? Do you feel like a wily veteran here at 26? Uh, I don't know about that. I feel like I'm still doing much. Um, yeah, this will be my 21st fight as far as MMA. Um, and it really just uh, has a lot to do with it being the only thing I've ever wanted to do. You know, like uh, when I was a little kid, it's like when you're in kindergarten, whatever, and everyone's like, oh, I want to be an astronaut or a cowboy or whatever. I was just, I want to be a fighter. That's That's all I want to do. Um, so it was kind of the thing of like, you know, my mom was, she, she didn't really like it, so she wouldn't let me fight. And, uh, so I wrestled all growing up. Um, as soon as I got my car keys, I go straight to the boxing gym, you know, and start adding in everything else. And then, uh, you know, I tried to have my first fight right after I turned 18 and the guy uh, pulled out. Um, and I only had, you know, a couple months each year cause I would wrestle um, until about March and I would have a couple months to get fights in once, uh, once I turned 18. So uh, I had my first fight. Uh, I think I had was about to turn 19. So like the end of me being 18, um, pretty much as soon as I could, I, you know, started getting fights and, you know, that's really like why I got into fighting. It sounds weird for maybe outside people. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of guys that get into fighting, I don't think really like to fight. It's like they like the community and the training and saying that they're a fighter. But for me, it's like getting in the cage is, is what I live for. And so I try to do that as much as I can. I love that. Now, you, you mentioned even before you had been in the cage, you were kind of in love with the idea, right? You were in the love of the idea back all the way in elementary school. So what was it about fighting that you were drawn to? Did you have like inspiration? Obviously your mom wasn't the one sticking you in front of MMA, but like, did you have some kind of inspiration to become a fighter? Yeah, it's my dad's fault. Um, I think, (laughs) I think genetically and just, uh, what he was putting in front of me, it's like, I mean, from the time I can remember, we're watching the UFC, um, we're leg kicking each other. You know, (laughs) we had a game where we would, uh, we would blast each other's legs, you know, from behind. And, you know, once I started training, that kind of stopped once I started getting bigger. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think, I think a lot of the reason I fight is literally because, um, the genetics, it's like, I was, I was just born like a rough kid. And, uh, I'm, I'm super grateful that I have the outlet of fighting because I think without it, I'd be a lot different of a person. You know, I see a lot of people who, you know, are having trouble with things and they have anger issues or this and that. I'm like, man, that'd probably be me if I didn't if I didn't fight constantly, you know. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I, I got to ask, too, you know, you said your mom hated the idea of you doing it, didn't watch you anywhere near a martial arts gym. You get your car keys, you head out, you start fighting right away. How, how does she take that? How does she take you being a professional fighter? So, you know, it was a slow kind of drip. Um I remember when she first found out, it's like, you know, what are you going to do at that point? And I think she was, I think they were both hoping that it would be kind of a, just kind of a hobby of mine or just something like, you know, because I, I was, I was really set up to be, I was a two-time state champion in wrestling. And, and that was a path that I really could have explored is, uh, you know, doing the whole full wrestling in college and then going to find a career and something after that. Um, but as soon as I started my first fight, uh, I got my car, I trained for probably a couple months 
and then I uh, did a kickboxing fight because uh, they wouldn't let you fight in MMA before you turn 18. So I was fighting amateur kickboxing like with very little striking training, just basically going in there on grit, and, you know, being a wrestler. Um, but I think they figured out pretty quick just uh, with, with how much I put into it, um, how much I really, uh, I really wanted to do it. And then um, it was kind of this whole thing of like, I was, everyone was telling me to go to college and wrestle. And so I, I, I did that. I went to the university of central Oklahoma and I probably made it like, well, I actually didn't even make it to Thanksgiving before um, I uh, dropped all my classes and uh, got, I got on a Greyhound bus and moved to California and uh, just, just, just to go and find a place to train and just kind of, you know, put all my chips in the center um, in a way, you know, just put all my, put all my eggs in the fighting basket. Cause it's like, I realized pretty quick that when, uh, when I can't fight, then, uh, I'm not, I'm not happy at all. So. Well, we're glad that you found fighting then, but now I of course got to ask because you, you've mentioned your wrestling base, the fact that you were a state champion wrestler, the fact that you were going to college to wrestle, but dude, I've, I've watched your last couple of fights in, you know, clinch elbows, backing people down with one twos, just like take one to give one kind of boxing and, and just ferocious knockouts, right? You you went out there and knocked out a UFC veteran in your last fight. So what what made you turn into the version of, of yourself that you are now and not some sort of like, you know, heavy top game grounded pound specialist? Right. Uh, all of that uh, goes to Mark Montoya. Um, so since switching, because uh, I was training at Dan Henderson's and I, I was in California pretty much throughout my whole amateur career and trained with a lot of good guys. I, I owe a lot to guys like Joe Daddy Stevenson, Sam Alvey, Dan Henderson, all those guys. Um, it really helped, helped me a lot in that time in my life. Um, but when I, when I switched gyms uh, and left California for Colorado, um, the level of striking that I was immersed into was just like so different. And um and I, I had to evolve or, like, I was just going to get tore up. Like, my first week at Factory X, I remember at the end of it, I didn't even know who Chris Gutierrez was, but he was just in my <laughs> chewing up my legs. Like, I had to, every day after practice, I had to, you know, sit in a freaking blocks of ice on my uh, on my calves because I was just getting destroyed. So uh, it, it was my teammates around me and Coach Mark really, like, like I haven't had a coach before where like on the regular he'll he'll show us something or say something that I just have never thought about as far as fighting that just like makes so much sense. Um, so it's really like evolved me into a into a complete fighter. It's like I I think I had that in me um, as far as the you know the type of fights that people like to see it's just that i had to gain the confidence and then you know I, for me it's like i'm always thinking about the long game and like you know i'm concerned about my life after fighting too so it's like if it's not worth it to me and i see um the path of least resistance to win and take the least amount of damage i'll do that but now to get into a point it's like there's so many guys that want to get to the next level to these big promotions. And a lot of that is, you know, showing people what they want to see 
it's like, okay, if you want to see violence, like I can do that. It's like, but eventually like I need this to, to, you know, kind of make sense. Like I want to start making money doing this, you know, it's like these types of fights for not as much money just doesn't make a whole ton of sense to me. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, I, I want to ask you about those fights coming up in, in that sort of next level for you. But before you do, you mentioned the name Chris Gutierrez in there. The guy has got a headliner in the UFC just two weeks from now of us talking. Uh, I obviously got to ask you, like, how crazy is it to go from, you know, you walk into that gym and this guy's, you know, that you've never heard of before is just chewing up your legs. Now you see his face on the poster. What, what's that like for you? It, it's really cool. It's I'm super proud of him. Like, he's you know, we've become good friends and, you know, we've even worked jobs together. We got, I've got stories with that guy, but it's so fun. Just how he's such a humble person and just like, you know, just like he'll do anything to help you. Uh, Any of the guys, you know, always just like open to share knowledge and, and uh, it's just a guy that like, I I don't think he can really believe it. I'm sure if you ask him, um, you, you know, it's funny to see these guys, like, sometimes you think, like, every person who does that's, like, the most, like, confident, like, you know, of course I did this type person in the world, but he's just, like, he's just a grinder, and he's just, he's really, like, he did the work, like, there's a reason that he is in that spot, because it's, like, he's constantly working, it's crazy, it's, like, him and, and Brandon Royval is, like, those are two guys that I really look up to, of, like, they put in the hours, like they're constantly in the gym. So it's pretty cool to see. When obviously those two got huge fights in front of them. And of course you have a fairly huge fight for your career coming up here to Fury FC 84. Now you're coming off the win over a UFC veteran. You're, uh-huh. you're in a fight right now where you could potentially win one of the like big three or four regional titles that exist out there that people, you know, almost automatically understand that means you're ready for the next level. Right. Do you feel like this fight is the one that gets you signed to the UFC? Should you come out uh, victorious? Man, I, I sure hope so. I thought, I thought after last fight, well, it's like, it's weird. Cause I don't know. I, I I'm not sure what I think, but it, it was more of the outside of like, you know, the coaches and the people watching and the people, you know, that are in that position, I was being told a lot, like, this could be the one, like, you know, you got to go out and finish them. I'm like, all right, I'll do that. Um, and so it, after last fight, it was very much of like, be ready. You know, this, this could be the one. Um, and then, you know, I'm looking at it. I'm like, looking at my year and I had had two fights that year and I was like, I'll, I will wait around. If I don't hear anything, I'm going to get one more fight in by the end of the year. Um, and so that's kind of where we're at now. And, uh, and I'm the, the thing is like, I'm just going to stop worrying about when and, um, just focus on the next guy and just, you know, keep putting on performances and, and, you know, just, I really just think about making myself undeniable and that's, that's really the only thing I can do. So. Absolutely. And that, that next step to being undeniable is Nate Richardson. Now he's a glory kickboxer. You obviously talked about the idea of wanting to put on the fights that people want to see, wanting to be undeniable through everybody's eyes in both being entertaining and obviously winning. Is this a fight that you are circling is, you know, 
possibly being that exciting fight, that one that gives people the stamp? Because, you know, a lot of guys who like to go out there and strike sometimes run into those people who want to wrestle them. So are you excited to get a striker here? Uh, Yeah, that's the thing is, like, that's what I'm really trying to be as a fighter is someone that no matter what style uh, I have in front of me, that I have things that I can fight. I'll go in there, I'm looking for a finish, and it's like, I don't want it to be good. Like, I want every single fight to be You know, if it's a close, you know, like, nail-biter, obviously that's not what I wanted. I, I want it to look as easy as possible. I want to, you know, put damage and and, uh, and finish these fights. But, um, yeah, every single fight that I go into, I my coaches are, you know, always make great game plans for me. And uh, I think one of my, my greatest skills as a fighter is just being able to listen and um, just staying calm, like, you know, just sticking to the plan. Well, you mentioned those game plans. Obviously, I'm not going to ask you to give that away, but I am going to ask you my favorite question to end every interview with, which is, give me a prediction. How's this one end come December 3rd? Uh, this one ends before 25 minutes with my hand raised um, violently. <laughs> I love it. All right, you hear here first, folks. This has been Arian Young, who fights Nate Richardson at Fury FC 84 in the main event on December 3rd. Arian, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Dana. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, putting a spotlight on this fight and kind of helping me, you know, find, find my way maybe uh, up to the next level. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Game Up Hard Hydration, and remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Vreeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will catch you then.